All right, it's the Keep to the City Yankees podcast, and since the last podcast, the Yankees have gone out and brought back Anthony Rizzo, choosing not to sign Freddie Freeman, who ends up with the Dodgers. So um, the smartest team in baseball continues to be the smartest team in baseball, and the Dodgers bringing in the best first baseman in baseball, when all it would cost is money. Money. The thing the Yankees make more of than any other team, the thing that's supposed to separate them from every other team, and the Dodgers go out and they wisely spend it on Freddie Freeman, an organization that clearly will do everything it takes to win a championship. You've seen that the last few years, uh, especially last year. They bring in Trey Turner. They bring in Max Scherzer. Um, now, it's, <laughs> now it's fucking Freddie Freeman. So it never ends with the Dodgers. So they're in a great position now to win their division, get back to the World Series. Obviously, the uh, odds on favorite to win the World Series in 2022. As for the Yankees... Anthony Rizzo, yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's not Freddie Freeman. And he's also coming off the worst full season statistically since his first full season nine years ago. So he's on the decline. He's not the player he was three, four years ago with the Cubs. And if he's the player the Yankees got at the trade deadline last year, well, that's a big fucking problem because he was not very good for the Yankees. Sure, defensively, he was great. But Mark Desher was defensively great for the Yankees for the last few years of his deal. And, uh, you know, the second half of that deal was a fucking disaster. Granted, Rizzo's only a two-year deal here, $32 million, so not a huge commitment. But, uh, you know, when you stack him up against Freeman, it's not even fucking close. When you think about what he did with the Yankees last year, he homered in his first two games, July 30th and 31st. Um, and then over the next six weeks, he hit two home runs. So he wasn't very good. Again, coming off the worst statistical full season since 2013 for him, uh, he, you know, the chances of the slope of this decline starts to go back the other way. And he gets better with age? <laughs> Not very likely. Not very likely. So the Yankees, once again, pass up on superstar talent, which is what Freddie Freeman is. Anthony Rizzo is not a superstar. He's not even a star anymore. He's a good player. He's a good player. Yankees need a lefty bat. Need a guy who gets on base. Didn't really add speed or athleticism, which they talked about. But okay, you know, they got a great glove there at first. Um, so it is what it is. It's, it's not a change. It's not an upgrade. Because he was fucking on the team last year. So the legitimate options Brian Cashman used in, in mid-October, he said legitimate options to um, change this roster. So far, the Yankees have none of them. They've got the 32-year-old Rizzo on the decline. They've got the 36-year-old off-injured uh, Josh Donaldson for two years at $48 million. They've got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's not any fucking good at, you know, at hitting. Sure, he plays defensive shortstop. You find that fucking anywhere. Andrew Velazquez plays a fine defensive shortstop. The Yankees haven't gotten better. Haven't. you? And, you know make the easy case that they've gotten worse. Because when you look at what they've done here in passing up on superstar talent, not adding any starting pitching, period, bringing back Rizzo, all they've done is make themselves worse and create fucking issues. And if you look at a left side of the infield of Kiner Falefa and Donaldson, in no way is that better than Seager and Urshela, Correa and Urshela, Story and Urshela, and keeping Gary at catcher. In no way is it better. Because the Yankees now have a defensive shortstop who can't hit, an off-injured third baseman who once was a superstar, the worst catching tandem in baseball, and they brought back Anthony Rizzo. That's been their offseason. That's been their offseason. And now they have a fucking logjam in the infield because you've got Rizzo at first, Donaldson only plays third, Kiner Falefa can play short and third, but Donaldson can only play third, so Kiner Falefa's at short. Then at second, you're forcing Glaber Torres back there because he can't play fucking short, but his bat is no longer good enough to justify him being an everyday player 
And then you're moving DJ LeMahieu, the gold glove winning second baseman, off second base, possibly out of the starting fucking lineup here. A guy you owe five more years and $75 million to, who was arguably the best player in the American League in 1920. And then you have Luke Voigt, who has no place on this team anymore. A guy that they, you know, fucked over last year, last six weeks of the season. And, and sure, he's not been healthy a lot, but to get benched for the last six weeks of last year, he screwed over here. He's gone. He's fucking gone. Luke Voigt's gone. Glaber Torres needs to be gone too, because there's no place for him on this team. I'm fucking sick of watching him. He needs to be gone. Then LeMahieu could play second. Things are a little easier, a little better there. But the Yankees have just decided to base the now, not the future, the now. Because the decisions they're making now are because of what they expect out of Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza. And I've said countless times, Anthony Volpe is a 20-year-old kid who's never played above high A. Oswald Peraza is a 21-year-old kid who has only played 87 games above high A. And the Yankees are choosing in what is, I guess, a championship window, though not so much anymore, to, to basically build their roster and hell about, around these two kids who fucking, who knows what they're going to be. What if they both go out and have awful years in the minors? You know, what's, what's Volpe and Perez's ceiling? Is it Carlos Correa? Doubtful. It's doubtful they'll ever become Carlos Correa or Corey Seager or Trevor Story. And the Yankees pass up the opportunity at all three. And on Wednesday at Steinbrenner Field, Hal Steinbrenner, who inherited this team wrongfully, his father didn't even want him to run the team, and now he's running it, and he's doing a fucking terrible job at that. And he spoke to the media at length for, for Hal Steinbrenner to make a public appearance, and the more questions he gets asked, the, the dumber he sounds with his answers, because everyone knows what the fucking Yankees are doing. Everyone knows what he's doing. He can't act like he's doing everything in his power to put the best possible team on the field. He just can't because he's not. And so the first questions, you know, he starts to get asked about Aaron Judge and an extension. And, uh, you know, that'll happen probably. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's not what this is about this season. Right now it's about building the best possible roster to win because the core of your team is either approaching 30 or already on the other side of 30. There's a window that's pretty much not open anymore. is isn't going to stay the crack it is open for much longer. So Hal was asked about, you know, everything about the team and talked kind of like an excuse at the beginning that they didn't have as much time as usual to figure out their needs because of the lockout. What the fuck are you talking about? Did you not watch last season? Did you not have all six months to watch an underachieving loser team? Then you had one postseason game. You had all of October. You had all of November, the first day of December. Then, yes, you couldn't sign people, trade for people, but you could still fucking figure out the needs of your team. In December, January, February, in the first week of March. It's not like you were in a coma and then you woke up when the lockout ended. That's not what happened. But that's what he made it seem like happened. I, I have no idea what that means. They, they didn't have as much time per usual. Not as much time per usual to, to figure out the needs we have and figure out how to address them. So, you know, my directive to cash when this lockout ended is let's focus on the needs. We got Aaron this year. You, didn't, you had the same amount of fucking time. Sure, you couldn't sign people, you couldn't trade for people, but you knew what your needs were, you knew how to address them. You did a fucking terrible job at that. And he still thinks this is a championship caliber team. He's optimistic about it. I'm always optimistic. <laughs> and what makes you most optimistic about this year? Say again? Why are you optimistic with this ball? Because I, th I think they have what it takes. This is a championship caliber team. This is not a championship caliber team because 
they weren't a championship caliber team last year or the year before that or the year before that or the year before that. And if you want to say this course in 17, they haven't been one. The Yankees as an organization haven't been one in going on 13 years. But this team that wasn't good enough last year to make the postseason until the final at bat, Aaron Judge's walk-off single against the Rays, that was when they made the postseason. In the last at bat of the last game of the regular season, they got nine innings of postseason baseball, but really not even one full because the game was over four batters into the bottom of the first. That team wasn't good enough, and you've made this team based off that team, and it's worse. It's worse. It's fucking worse. Um, you know, I think the trade that Cash made was a was a was a great trade. Um, you know, we're go- we're going to miss the guys that that moved on, but um, I think we uh, we addressed one or two of the needs that we had. That was not a great trade. A great trade is uh, fucking Starlin Castro and pieces for Giancarlo Stanton. That's a great trade. Shedding Chase Headley's contract to the Padres. That's a great trade. Trading Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela to bring back 36-year-old Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and a catcher who's barely ever played in the fucking league. That's not a great trade because you made your team worse. It's not a great trade at all. And you look at what's going on on the other side of town with the Mets, and I don't know how any Yankees fan can't be anything other than jealous of, of what the Mets are doing, just going out and acting like the Yankees, and the Yankees are here acting like the Mets. And Hal says it doesn't bother him. It should bother him. I think everybody expects that I do, but but the answer is no, because the fact is I can't control the, what resources other owners or other teams have and what they're going to do with those resources. I make the same commitment every year. My family does, which is to do everything we're able to do to field a championship-caliber team and try to win a World Series. And I will continue to do everything I'm able to do to accomplish that. Make the same commitment every year. Yes, you do make the same commitment because last year's payroll was the same as it was in 2005. So for 17 seasons, you held the same payroll, essentially. But TV revenue's gone up, ticket prices have gone up, beer prices, concessions, merchandise, all of that goes up, the payroll stays the same. So you're not doing everything you're able to do, like he said. He's not. He's full of shit, is what he is. And he can talk about how it's because of the future and this. It's always There's always some fucking reason that they're not doing the best they can. And that reason right now is Volpe and Peraza for him. We do have two incredible prospects that I am excited to give a chance to. Again, you're you're basing this season off two guys who aren't going to be here this season. There's a very small percentage chance that Peraza plays in the majors maybe at the end of the season. Volpe's like, like two more years to go in the minors. Maybe one if everything goes perfectly. <laughs> like, Perfectly. That's how everything has to go for that to happen. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, once the lockout ended, there's considerably less time to get anything done. But it doesn't mean we weren't preparing and discussing and, and looking at everything, you know, the last two months. He didn't have less time. He had the same amount of time, Hal. You had the same fucking time. You chose to not do anything before the lockout, and you've chose to do very little since it. But you had the same amount of fucking time. Well, we didn't have fans for one year, so look, I, I think a lot of the larger market clubs got hit the hardest. That's really sad for Hal that there was no fans in uh, 2020. Because there have been fans every other fucking season. (laughs) It's not like the Yankees are living paycheck to paycheck here and they didn't get a few paychecks. And now they're fucked. No, they have an abundance of money. And not having fans in 2020 did not destroy them. Not even fucking close. Um, our expenses, whether we're, you know, they're players or not, are, are normally greater. And obviously in New York, I mean, everything costs more. Uh, look, we, we have, and I'm not saying anything that's not public knowledge, because it is public knowledge. We, we have a huge payment of 80-plus million that we make to the city of New York every February 1st to cover the bonds on the stadium. And that payment's made if we have no revenues. 
and it was made in 20, and it was made last year as well. So, uh, you know, we, we can talk about our revenues, but you gotta you gotta pay attention to the expenses too, and we've got some significant ones. So it was it was a tough two years. I really feel bad for Hal that he's got all these expenses and uh, all these financial burdens. That's really sad. I'm I'm just happy he's able to make ends meet with the way things are going. And the way things are going are not great if you're a Yankees fan. Their World Series odds fell on Wednesday after the contenders decided to upgrade their rosters and the Yankees have either remained status quo or gotten worse. But the Dodgers are better. The Blue Jays are fucking better. The Rays will be there. The Astros will be there. The White Sox can just roll out the red carpet and just show up this season and they'll be in the postseason because their division's so bad. And the Yankees, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? White Sox Dave of Barstool Sports who... Uh, you know, joins me whenever the Yankees play the White Sox, and then we usually do this in the offseason to talk about the state of both teams. He joined me because he he likes to chirp me about the Yankees, the state of the Yankees, um, their lack of spending, um, and, we, and we had a good conversation about it. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk baseball offseason, who, you know, he's a lot happier than I am, than Yankees fans are, because he can sit back and sort of uh, enjoy the madness that's going on. White Sox, Dave of Barstool Sports. Dave, how's it going today? Well, you you said I'm happy. I'm not happy with my offseason. You should be. You guys, for the White Sox, I mean, they don't have to do anything. They just they just have to show up and they'll be in the postseason in the AL Central. That's true, yes, but I mean, I don't. At this point, I don't care about winning the division. That's not what this is about, is it? Are we are we no. playing for division titles or World Series? Well, you're actually um, playing now for the bye into the ALDS. That's the first goal. Well, like I, I'm looking at this altruistically and from 30,000 feet. For the White Sox, they entered the offseason with two major areas of need. Um, two and a half, we'll call it. Right field, backhand starting pitcher, and second base. They kind of filled it with Josh Harrison. He's going to be the nine hitter, and he's completely fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, cheap one-year deal. I know he's old, but like he's going to be the nine hitter. He still plays outstanding defense, and up-the-middle defense is very important to me personally. But um, they lost Carlos Rodon, and they still haven't signed an outfielder. So, like, what the fuck are they doing? Uh, I think this is a perfect time to go for the jugular. Yeah, they're going to cakewalk to the postseason unless they get gutted with injuries and Detroit just goes crazy. But I, I don't care about winning the division right now. Like, they broke it down and tore it to bare bones six years ago now to play for World Series. And there's three outfielders, all Boris clients, that would fit really well for different reasons um, in the White Sox lineup. And nothing yet. I went on a whole rant on my podcast today about it. And you hear Rick Hahn, the GM of the White Sox, talking – like, yeah, we are doing whatever we can to win a World Series this year. Well, if you if there's a budget for that when you were running out $60 million, $70 million payrolls in 2016, 17, and 18, like, if you can't afford Michael Conforto in a four-year $84 million deal or whatever, I don't want to hear you talking about World Series. That's all. It's all just lip service to me. So um, those three guys are still out there to be had, and I'm, I'm reserving my anger for them – not assuming, but if they fail, I'm getting frustrated at this point, but they're still out there to be had. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot less frustrating than what's going on with the Yankees, which I think is 
the most frustrating offseason they've had in a long time, maybe ever, because just you know resetting the luxury tax penalty and then doing absolutely nothing with it. Uh, playing in a division where you're competing with Toronto, Tampa, uh, Boston, and you know there is no red carpet laid out for them to get to the postseason. They're going to have to battle for it, unlike your White Sox. And I know from you, from sitting from afar, you've had a lot of fun watching what the Yankees have done or not done this offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I called it almost to a T. Um, I, I do think the Rizzo signing is... Um, he kind of he obviously fucked himself over, but I think yeah, that a little bit. I mean, what's the difference between a hundred million and that he could have made in eighty million? And once you're that rich, you can't. But really he get but rich. he only got thirty two, and he would have gotten. What did he turn down? Like seventy uh, five or something? Yeah, seventy. 70. I saw. He's made thirty mills. Pretty big gap. It's a huge gap, but he's already made almost seventy million in yeah. his career. He'll have all the endorsement deals he wants in Chicago for as long as he wants, he's doing just fine. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not like Oh man, that poor guy. Like, I, like he really, like, I feel like he's, he rep, I feel like he has Ian Desmond's aging. Remember when Ian Desmond turned down like a yes. hundred mil and they got like 5 million. <laughs> if that, yeah, yeah, it was, that, see, that was different. That was different. Like I could make 70 million over the course of my lifetime work, but um, <laughs> I thought that was an appropriate signing for them. And, and I, I go at it with Yankees fans all the time on Twitter because two it was almost exactly it was two Februarys ago right before the pandemic really shut things down. Um, Marty Mush said something and had his Yank about the White Sox being trash and had Yankees fans coming at me in droves. I'm like, look, dude, the Yankees are not the Bronx Bombers and, and this terrorist organization that I grew up with. From like up until 2010, we'll call it like, I'm not afraid of the Yankees. I don't think the rest of baseball is afraid of the Yankees. Hell, Steinbrenner is not his father. Like they don't, (laughs) there's not such thing as unlimited spending anymore. They can't just go and be like, I'm going to buy this guy. I'm going to buy that guy. It didn't work like that anymore. And I see what I perceive to be as holes outside of Garrett Cole, their rotation stinks. They got a really good bullpen. Yes. And, but then I'm looking at like center field, bad, expensive too. Middle infield now that's changing a little bit. Not wasn't good, good until two days ago. Still bad. There's, I mean, Higashi Hishokiaga. <laughs> I'll never say his name right. That's the catcher as of now. Are we like what are we talking about here? That's a World Series team, the Brax Bombers. Like you guys are high, high. If you think that that roster, 1 through 26, is better than the White Sox roster. And I know it was a 1-5, in five, from my perspective, 1-5 in five head-to-head record last year. I know all that. Like, I wouldn't trade the two the, for the Yankees roster if you paid me a million dollars. I just, I just, I absolutely would not. Well, I think the thing, I mean, you know, from my perspective, that I don't have the stereotypical Yankees fan, like, we're the best, we're better than everyone, because they're not. And and everyone is just always cutting them a break and the front office a break when they haven't been to the World Series since 2009. This year will be 13 years to, since the last time they got there, let alone won it. And I just think the way they went about things, and maybe, you know, when you talk about, oh, yeah, they can't go buy this guy and this guy and this guy— they could, though. I mean, there is the penalty thresholds, but 
They could okay. still break those. They just choose not to do so. And and that's a different argument in and of itself. Like I, I was saying, like they can't. You are absolutely right. I've they said can. this a lot on Twitter. There needs to be more. Like all right, so I, I deal with this as a Bears fan out here. Uh, Virginia McCaskey, her dad was George Hallis, who basically invented the NFL. Virginia McCaskey's turning 100 years old this year. She's the primary, the principal owner of the Chicago Bears. All of the McCaskey's family's wealth is tied to the Chicago Bears. Like, they're not businessmen. They're not, you know, they don't have oil money or whatever. It was different from George through uh, Hal because George had all his money, decided to go buy the New York Yankees and treat that like a toy where he's just going to say, fuck this, I am winning every World Series every single year. That's exactly what you are seeing on the opposite side of town right now. And you're also seeing it with the Yankees with my uh, Virginia McCaskey reference. Like, Hal Steinbrenner, he's rich because of the Yankees. He's going to treat it like a business, you know? I hate that. I think there should be more owners that treat it like toys. I think baseball would be better off because, uh, like, the Cincinnati Reds might be in in the running for Freddie Freeman. I mean, that's just me throwing out two different exactly. – but, like, that's never going to happen in free agency because these owners refuse to spend like that, you right. know? And when you look at the, the Yankees' perspective, I mean, George bought the team in 1973 for $10 million from CBS. They – you know, if they were to sell now, you know, we're talking five-plus billion dollars probably. So yeah. – and, and yeah. the fact of the matter is he wanted to leave the team to his daughter's husband – this guy named Steve Swindle. And that guy ended up like getting in a DUI and then him and the daughter, Jennifer Steinbrenner, got divorced. And then it sort of just went to Hank Steinbrenner and Hal Steinbrenner. And Hal, and Hal at the time wasn't even involved. He didn't get involved till like two years after that. Uh, so, you know, George didn't even want, he had two sons. He didn't want to leave the team to his, either he didn't want to leave it to his kids because he saw what was going to happen, which is what's happening now, or he, they didn't want it. It was one or the other. Like, they didn't want to be involved in the Yankees, or he didn't want them to run the team. He was willing to basically go outside the family, not give it to one of his kids. And you're seeing what's happened is that, like you said, Hal treats it like a business. He counts his pennies. He claims that, the, you know, Brian Cashman can tow the company line and say that the family's invested, you know, so X amount of dollars. But relative to their revenue, they don't do well. You know, they, they relative to their revenue, they should be blowing the payroll out of the water. In yeah, 2021... Absolutely. They had the same payroll they had in 2005 in 16 years. Like, has their TV revenue stayed stagnant? Has their beer money and their concession money and their merchant? No. So how do you have the same payroll for 17 straight seasons? And and it goes back to in 2017, this team came within one game in the World Series. They cut payroll by $30 million. It's like everyone says, oh, yeah, well, they went out and traded for Stan. Yeah, the Marlins on the hook for, were on the hook for a good portion of the money. They, they cut a bunch of money. They, they went into the next season with $30 million less. They did the same thing after 2019. They cut payroll again when they went to the ALCS. So this is like the new norm with the Yankees is that they're not going to be at the top of the payroll charts anymore. Uh, and they're just, they're not going to plug holes in free agency. And if you go back to like the mid 2000s, when Cashman and Steinbrenner had like this power struggle, you know, Cashman wanted the team to be what the Dodgers have become, where they have great, you know, smarts about their farm system. And then when they don't work out, they use free agency to plug their holes. The Yankees don't do that. They, they have no prospect evaluation skills. And now they're not using the, the hole. They're not plugging the holes with free agency. So we're stuck with this like middling roster that, yeah, they're good enough to win about 90 to 95 games, but then they get bounced in the first round. They're not good to win multiple postseason series. And it's been the case now for five years. And if you told me 
in 17 when they lost to the Astros and they had all the young kids. I mean, if you said right now, five years later, where we'd be at with no World Series getting bounced by the Red Sox twice, embarrassed by the Astros twice, I wouldn't have believed you. But here we are, and it's like getting within one game of the World Series for this core, that might be the closest they ever get. And, and most likely it is the closest they'll ever get. I don't disagree with anything you said. It's it's like I just talked about parody in baseball and how I think baseball would be better for it. At the same time, like everybody wants to be afraid of the Yankees too, you know? Right. And the Yankees, to every point you just said, have the ability to go out there and be what the Dodgers have become. And like that's what I, I've tried and I'll say I'll poorly have articulated the Yankees fans. I'm like, yo, you guys are fucking morons. Like I'm looking at all these Yankees fans uh, on Twitter and I and I, I see a lot of it just being in social media for a profession to some extent. Like they were I I never in a million years thought they were signing uh Correa or or Freddie Freeman. Right. Never in a million years. And I'm like you guys are crazy if you think that's gonna happen. Like what I would have done is I would have taken whatever what's Correa Correa's gonna get thirty million a year. Spread that over three like two starting pitchers that are, you know, ten million, twelve million dollar that are actual quality pitchers and like spread it it's such a top heavy roster. Yeah. And it's poor allocation of resources if your resources are finite, which they clearly are. I mean, you got a $36 million man in Garrett Cole. Uh, I, I think uh, Stanton's more $25 million against the AB. Yeah. Um, and then uh, who? I think it's actually even a little less because the Marlins money may be like 23 but yeah, it's right around there. It's right around there. And then there's another third. Who, who am I blanking on? Well, now you've got Donaldson at 24 Hicks is at 10. You know, Gallo's not crazy money. Judge is going to get, you know, 25 to 30. At, you know, probably maybe more. I mean, he's already 30 years old. He's not going to be in his first year of his next deal until he's 31. Um, I think LeMayhew's at 15. Um, you know, so they, they, they do have a lot of heavy contracts, but at the same time, they could afford to do more. And, and I talk about this roster, and it's like they make this trade on Sunday night for Isaiah Kaina for Leffa, it, who, who's fucking not any good. Let's be honest. Like he's a good defensive player. He can't fucking hit. He, he has a, he had the three twelve on base last year and everyone's like, Oh, he had more hits than DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. DJ LeMahieu played all season with a hernia, had to miss the one game playoff to get surgery. So like, so his ceiling is uh, injured DJ LeMahieu, I guess they forced Glaber Torres back to second base. Cause he fucking sucks at shortstop. His bat stinks now, ever since the baseball went back to not, you know, flying out of the park. Uh, they get Josh Donaldson, who you you finally reset the luxury tax penalty, and and you're willing to to use the money on 36 year old Josh Donaldson. It's like, yeah, the guy was a superstar five to seven years ago. He's not that anymore. He's played two full seasons in the last five years, and what you're banking on him, Stanton, Hicks, Judge, all being healthy for for a full season. That, yeah, that's Aaron that's, Hicks is is I mean Aaron Hicks is okay, but he doesn't play. He's missed forty four percent of the games over the last four years. Stanton they don't let play the outfield. Gallo was a disaster in his short time with the Yankees last year. You know Judge had a great year. Stanton had a good year. Rizzo's back. It's like, but Rizzo's not Freddie Freeman, and everyone's like, oh Rizzo's a good player. Yeah, Rizzo 
had the worst full season of his career last year. He's now 32. It's it, it, like most likely that that slope is not going to just start going back up to a 900 OPS guy. I think what we saw last year with the Yankees, a 750 OPS guy who takes his walks and hits a home run every four weeks. That's probably what Rizzo is now. And, and maybe he's a little bit better, but he's not fucking Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's the best first baseman in the game. The guy's unbelievable. He has like a 920 postseason OPS. He's over 900 in the regular season. He doesn't get hurt. He fucking is in the MVP top four every year. Like, there's there were so many moves they could have made. And if you want to say, okay, well, they're waiting for Anthony Volpe, who's played never played above high A, or Oswald Peraza, who's played 87 games above high A, you're tying the whole state of the franchise right now into two kids who what's their like if they turn into Carlos Correa that's like a one percent chance but you could go get Carlos Correa right now and all it will cost you is money it just it makes no sense of I don't know what their plan is I don't know what the direction is if if you're and and they're in win now mode like they're not the best team in the league on paper somehow they're still the favorite by the odds to win the AL I don't know fuck who makes those odds but they're they're not the best team but they're in win now mode you know everyone's either approaching 30 or already on the other side of 30. This isn't the Yankees of five years ago when everyone was 24 and 25 years old and there was like this future. It's like, no, they're not They're not kids anymore. They're, they're fucking there. And the guys they've surrounded them with all fucking stink. You're preaching to the choir, man. And <laughs> it's like, it, it's fucking I crazy. I wish were some greaseball, disgusting, gabagool Yankee fan. So <laughs> just be like, yo, you're wrong. Well, you get it. And... I know I like to give you a lot of shit on the internet, and it's because we've done this show for this is probably like five or six years now, right? Yeah, probably. Usually around this time of year, I uh, like it. I I, I want to be afraid of the Yankees, but I'm not afraid of Yankees. Like, yeah, and, and, and I, one and five record the White Sox had against them out the window last year. Right. Um, I think there was one shitty game of the six games. There was like. like well, there was the the Field of Dreams game. That was the last time we talked, I think. And then there was, you know, there's triple play game, which like was not said thing. Fucking. Then there was like the game. There was like a Sunday night game or Saturday. There was Saturday night in Chicago. It was like, like I think the White Sox were like the Yankees went up like four nothing. Then it was four four. Then it was like eight four. It was like a shit show. Uh, but yeah, they played good games against each other. And- Vaughn hit an extra innings game tying home run off Chapman. Uh at Yankee Stadium, and then there was one where Carlos Rodon had like 12 or 14 strikeouts and went like seven shutout innings, and it was like a one nothing game. They were all basically coin flip games other right. than there was one that was like 8-4 Yankees or something. But uh, um, like that record has abs- – it, it, it could be the Cincinnati Reds or some – or the Baltimore Orioles were – the Yankees went one and five against them last year, and it's like, and like, what? What are you idiots talking about? Like, <laughs> that absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen moving forward. And um, if I had a gun put to my head right now and asked who's going to win the uh, AL East, it's it would be uh, Toronto. Toronto, right? Yeah. I think that they're doing an awesome job right now. Um, they improved their starting pitching. Their bullpen's still suspect, but that can uh, bullpen's easy to f- like remedy on the fly, um, which I don't understand why they're doing it, but they're doing it. The White Sox just love signing fucking relievers to expensive deals. But um, then uh, I would say the Red Sox after that, we'll see what sales like with the full season. 
And then I think the Rays are going to kind of take a step back, but they're the Rays at the same time. Yeah, like the like, Rays, I would just pencil them in for like 90 wins because that's what they do. They, they, they'll find four new guys to fucking that the Yankees can't hit, right-handed, hard throwers, and they'll just do their thing. The Red Sox, that's a team like not just because I despise them with, you know, every ounce of my being, but their team, like, that's a really bad roster last year that just had, like, the most magical run to get to where they got to. That's not, that cannot be duplicated this season. That's a team where, like, you go and you hammer the under wins total on them because that's, that like, they could, they finished with 92 wins, they tied with the Yankees. Like, that's a team that, if they were 500 this year, I don't think anyone would be shocked. The they're like they're t- they have really three hitters: J.D. Martinez, Bogarts, and Devers. They have like one and a half good starting pitching, and their bullpen is that. It makes no sense that that team came essentially like that crazy Astros rally away from going back to the World Series. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, I I didn't expect it at all. Um, but you guys, I, on the other hand, that was a disaster. We never we haven't talked. I mean, since last August, but. That, those few days in October for you guys, that was a rough goal. Yeah, starting pitching completely shit the bed. Um, the offense was good as a whole, I thought. Um, a f- it sucked because you just, like, Luis Robert, and e- Robert came back a little earlier, but uh, Eloy came back. He wasn't the same um, with his shoulder. Uh, hopefully he's healthy, but who knows with him running into fucking walls. Um <laughs> Luis Robert, I and I don't say this lightly. I really think he could be a true superstar, like top three player in all of baseball. What he did after he came back from injury, it was like he was one of those guys you stop everything you're doing and you watch him hit. And he's a gazelle in center field. Um, from everything I've heard from his teammates, he just works his absolute nuts off, which um, I'm not going to name names, but can't say that about everybody on the roster. <laughs> Who um, can't you say it about? Uh, there's players on the team that might have gotten a little prima donna that didn't have uh, the best season last year, and we hope to that there's bounce backs. I'm not going to say names, like I said, but um, I think you could probably uh, I'll go to Baseball down. Reference and figure that one out. You could you could figure it out, yeah. And it's not even to say he had a bad year last year because it wasn't bad, but. Um, but yeah, those three, and I, I'll even say it. Lucas Giolito said the Astros knew every single pitch that they were throwing at. <laughs> That's and, a shock. Uh, his, his father has said said that out loud on Chicago radio, so I can comfortably say it. But um, he said, that, and he didn't mean in like a cheating way. He said that the Astros were just that much more advanced, and it was like they. Like it, it, how you can't pitch if you, the hitter knows what you're going to throw no right. matter what. You know? Right. And the starting pitching wasn't good. And then as soon as they got to the bullpen, the bullpen was actually lights out in that series until the last game when it was already fucking the series was over by that point. But um, the like I the Astros are probably going to take a step back. Their best pitcher is out for the year. It sounds like, and um, they probably maybe will lose Correa. I don't know. But like I, I love the White Sox position, and they have a they have a real chance right now to go for the jugular. And I'm not talking about Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa or anything. I'm talking about a quality big league starter for right field, and that's Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, or Michael Conforto. I think Conforto is the best fit because they're a right-handed heavy lineup, and um, 
But like, if you gave me any three of those guys, like that's top to bottom, that's the best lineup in base, or in the American League. Like I, I will fight to the death um, <laughs> with that. Like that's not me being a biased White Sox fan. You start with Tim Anderson, and then your eight hitter is going to be Tim Anderson. He's like. I have, like, an all-animosity team for each position. Like, the guys that crush the Yankees, like, Randall Gritschuk, fucking, obviously, a guy like Bogarts. But Tim Anderson, starting shortstop on that team. That guy, all he does is get big hits against the Yankees. It's crazy. Dude, he, I I, th- I got to give the White Sox a shout-out on that one because he was a junior college kid from Mississippi that his primary focus was basketball. Like, apparently he was a, like, Borderline Division One recruit for basketball. Never really focused on baseball until he got to junior college. Became a first-round pick, and he was super fucking raw. He has turned into just an awesome baseball player. And I'm not putting him on the same level as, like, a Correa or anything like that. But, like, I love him as shortstop for the Sox. He's going to hit 300 every year. He's going to have big hits. He'll, he'll steal bases, play a solid quality defensive shortstop. And he's, like, the lifeblood of the team. Like, the energy he brings... You can't measure that shit with stats, you know? Like, he he's a gamer. I love Tim Anderson to death. He's like, like I, I hope he never puts on another uniform as long as he lives. <laughs> the Yankees could use a guy like that at shortstop, right? Well, they do have Kiner Falefa, who's who's really good, according to Aaron Boone. So, they got that going yeah. for him. But you seem confident. I mean, what you know, 91 and a half wins right now for the White Sox. It seems like... They had such a lead last year. At one point, they sort of took their foot off the gas down the stretch and probably fucked a lot of people on their over on their wins total. But uh, you know, ninety one and a half that feels low. I mean, who are they competing with? They're going to play the fucking Tigers, <laughs> Royals, nineteen times. Like, I mean, the Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers will be okay. They'll win their eighty, you know, low eighties. But the Royals are trash. The Twins suck. Like, that's and the Indians are the Indians payroll is like one Yankee. The Twins will be. The Twins still do have a good lineup. Their pitching's fucking horrible. I, the Twins are going to be bad. I would say, like, I think for the AL Central this year, I think the last place team is going to be about a 74-77 to 77 win team, which for they're not going to be like the Baltimore Orioles winning 60 games, losing 100 games. Right. Um, I think the Tigers are going to be fucking assholes to play against, even though they're a year away. And the Royals, like you say, the Royals are going to start to – the Royals are going to start to turn some heads. They got Bobby Wood Jr., who's going to be a superstar. Um, and the Royals are kind of just one of those teams that, you know, small market, limited financial resources. They, every few years, they pop up and they have that fucking awesome season. I mean, back-to-back World Series, uh, they had a couple random years in like, I think it was 08 maybe, 09, where they were good. And, but they're, I would say, two years away. But they're not going to be some... 60 win bum pushover team this year either i don't think um but all that said the white Sox should like if they if if 90 if they're winning 90 games this year i it'll that's be bad. because they got, that yeah that's it's because they 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 stopped trying in the in the beginning of september i mean so last year they they lost um they lost grandall for six weeks and when he came back he was fucking awesome they lost Four or five months of Eloy. He got hurt in spring training like a week before the season started. Uh, Robert for like three months, four months maybe. Um, no, I mean, those are three major pieces of your lineup, you know? Yeah. Like, um, he's my guy, but Sebi Savali, he hit, a, he hit a bomb against the Yankees in the cornfield game. 
he actually had a few huge at-bats in that game. Uh, like, he, he was thrown to the fire. He wasn't supposed to be playing in the major leagues this year. He was, right. like, he was a couple years away, but they had no other choice. They had to play him, and he held his own as much. He had one randomly, like, he had a three-home run game that was, like, the most improbable thing I've ever seen. But, I mean, he hit, like, 160 at, like, a 45% strikeout rate. He wasn't ready yet, and right. it was unfair to him to get as many at-bats as he was getting. Um, and so once they got those guys healthy, I do they did, and they had a 10-12 game lead the whole year, they did put it on cruise control just to keep healthy yeah, and not, you know, get Tim Anderson hurt, which was, it didn't work out, but I probably would have done the same thing, you know. It's like, all right, we got a 10-game lead, the division's wrapped up, like, Keep Abreu healthy. Keep Anderson healthy. Keep, you know, all these guys, like Giolito, keep these guys healthy. Just coast. And then we'll, you know, unleash them for the ALS or ALDS. And it just didn't work out. I if Like, health is the number one thing holding them back. Mm-hmm. And they do have, like, Robert, unfortunately, is a little injury prone. That's the only thing that's keeping him from being a true superstar. Eloy's constantly hurt, but it's... It's not like soft tissue, like pulling hamstrings. It's him doing stupid shit, like fucking running into walls. <laughs> um, if if they can keep those guys healthy, I mean, the sky's the limit for them. Like a hundred wins is not out of the question, considering the division, you know. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think I, I like as it sits right now, you should hammer the over, but um, like health, not the deepest twenty. Not I shouldn't even say it. Not the deepest forty man. You know? Yeah. Well, so right now, confidence level one to ten. One is like Jimmy Rollins is, is your starting shortstop, and ten is uh, you know World Series, or you're going to be in a depression. What were you at? I would say, um, I would say seven right now. All right. All right. That's I mean, they're going to the playoffs. That's, yeah, they're going to the playoffs. It's just a matter of what they do the when they get there. No one thought the Braves were going to win it last year. They got right. hot at the exact same time. And all the fucking scrap pickups like Jock Peterson. <laughs> it's fucking uh, crazy. Mario, they went fucking wild in the postseason, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so you never know. Like, once you get to the playoffs, it's any any team's game. So, All right, Dave. Well, Yankees-White Sox first meet in May. So May 20th, 21st, 22nd at Yankee Stadium. So don't have to Yankee wait Stadium. too long to talk to you oh, again. I might be out there that weekend anyways. Yeah, we don't have to wait too long. We'll be doing this again in uh, about eight weeks, talking to each other and Perfect. see where the state of things are. I mean, probably going better for you at that point than me, but we'll talk again I'm then. I'm looking forward to your uh, meltdowns in the coming in the coming <laughs> month. All Just right. give a little retweet so everybody sees it and can hop in the mentions. <laughs> All right, Dave. All right, thanks again, on. Dave, for taking the time to come Thank on you. and talk baseball, talk about his White Sox, who... Like I said, they just have to show up this season and they're in the postseason. It's going to be that way in the Central probably for a couple more years. You know, the Tigers are up and coming, but they're not any close to the White Sox. So he's got it made. He's got it lucky. He's just wait, waiting for October and hope his team stays healthy. Over here, we're going to be in a fucking battle all season as fans watching this Yankees team. Uh, and there's three weeks from today. It begins. And this is the roster it's beginning with. It's going to be a long fucking year. So that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. I'll be back on Monday.